Hello, Jeremy. Hey, Raf. Hey. Yeah, just uh, talked to you like three days ago, it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> but we're back. Yeah. You got the sniffles? I got a little bit of sniffles in the morning here. We're recording in the morning. Like, ever since I moved to Calgary, I have allergies in the morning, and then by the end of the day, I feel good. Just in time. You know, it's in such the day. a nerdy stereotype to have allergies. Is it? It's like a... Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, like in The a, Simpsons or something. I don't even know if it's... Yeah. Like Am I imagine? has like yeah. Kleenex stuffed up his nose. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's you also have bloody noses are also super nerdy. Like if you're... The nose is generally like... Just, just too sensitive. Maybe because the glasses pinch your nose. Like my glasses are pinching my nose. They make my nose yeah, yeah, yeah. sound nasally. And that that's nerdy for some reason. But yeah. the joke's on you. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's all a masquerade for true cool. Okay. Uh, I don't know. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's also like, yeah. Anyone- have, you, have you ever thought of getting eye surgery or the LASIK? Yeah, like the idea of like appendages. Why is that like wrong? Like it's, I'm a No, cyborg, no, I'm just curious. Right? Yeah, but I, I mean, for me, it would be the idea that you have to carry around glasses. That would be annoying. Well, I mean, it's a fashion statement. It's like I have to carry around shoes as well, you know, on my feet. But, yeah, yeah. But you know, I don't, I don't wear a watch either, so. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Like you would be happiest as like like a nude Brazilian boy, like jumping into the ocean. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the whole paradox of humans is that we, we evolved to, for some equilibrium with nature. And then we're like, let's go over there where it's really uncomfortable. No, no. Life is like a successive like upgrade in like a role playing game where you're adding more and more armor to protect you. That's yeah. You know, first you start naked. I find right? it really sad. Yeah. You add a onesie, then you add like breastplate. Yeah. <laughs> then you get like a no. helmet. And then you get a house and then a building car, and then a city yeah. and, it, yeah. and a car for your car, like a trailer. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. 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 The castle walls you have to add like there's no game where you're like destroying what you're taking down the walls you're putting up walls that's life yeah yeah but basically the the, the goal is to be like um most protected <laughs> no i know it's, it's just fear running rampant but it, i've seen i guess a lot of animals are constantly in fear for the yeah, stalker like the beaver. predator. yeah and it's important like the beaver plays a important role in like yeah uh our ecosystem like but i you know, they, they i remember build. going to somewhere going snorkeling and there was a bunch of seals and for some reason there weren't sharks anymore so they didn't have they were on top of the food chain and they're just sitting on a rock and then every now and then they jump in the water get a sardine and then enjoy the sun and uh, well i was talking to um a designer from brazil and he brought this up i didn't i think it's like a potentially racist argument but there's some historic origin to this argument which is he was like there's a theory that, like, I think we maybe you've mentioned. Don't it on say the like too before. much. Did I say like a lot? Yeah. Did I really? Yeah, I'm just I'm just teasing you, but also take it easy. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the theory that, like, you know, people in northern climates um, work harder is because there's this behavior of having to prepare for the winter, and in like the equator you know, countries. And this, again, like I, I said, I'm presuming this is like racist, but he, he brought this up. So I'm just like, you know, and I think you've brought it up before as well, but in the equator countries, like the weather is the same all the time. So you never have to prepare for it to be bad. You know, you never have to prepare well, the for other, risk. The other argument is that uh, the uni- universe rewards aggression. So if you have one part of the world, whatever the climate is, that it's just yeah. like 
we're fine the way we are. We don't have need much. I'm, I'm happy the way things are. Even if it's cold, you know, I have a sweater, it's okay. And the other side of the world is always panicking. It's like, we need more space, we need more resources. Well, who do you think is going to dominate the other one? Yeah, I mean, it reminded me, though, that, like, as a child, you're... Do you know the story of the grasshopper and the ant or whatever? Yeah, right? yeah. Like, the ant prepares for winter, and the grasshopper's like, hey, dude, like, enjoy the summer. Well, that's propaganda, that's conditioning. I almost feel like you're the grasshopper and I'm the ant. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, the, it, it, I mean... It seems from my perspective that you seem a bit uh, overreaching to security. Do you want to hear a hilarious uh, thing? Like my mom uh, called me to say that like my finance advisor, like I don't, not everyone has a finance advisor, but I've had one since I was like 18 was so had told her because we share listeners. This is what it's like when you grow up white. (laughs) That had shared with my mother that he was so proud of me for finally taking a financial risk uh, in yeah. Calgary, which is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but I think he was so proud that he could finally line his pockets with silk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's not what we were going to talk about today. Like, uh, well, last it's uh, related. Yeah. 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 Well, last episode we talked a lot about you know things changing really really quickly. But actually what's been on my mind, um, because everyone's kind of in this like holding their breath kind of moment. We came out of the pandemic where it was a lot of like sitting on our hands, right? And then like the assumption was, okay, it's going to be go, 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 which it kind of has been. Yeah, it kind of feels the opposite to me. But no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. But like what I'm feeling is like, especially because we were talking about businesses and business, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like this is going too fast. And then like as an artist... Um, as well, you might be having this feeling like, you know, is now the time to act or wait? People are back in this like wait and see moment. But I can remember in 2020, which is only two years ago, people were like, let's wait. Like, we don't know what to do. Everything's changing. And, uh, you know, so it's starting to get me like thinking about like, are we in a decade of wait and see? Because it'll be like 2024, 2025, people are saying by the time we're quite, quote unquote back to normal. And I'm just like, is this a mindset? Like, is this something that... I think you often think too much about the trend. The future? No, yeah. the trend. Like, oh, you, you always mention, we're headed in this direction. We're headed in that. But it's not really relevant. Is it? what do you do? Yeah, the we is... I'm yeah. Always, yeah. I, I think I, it's because one of my first jobs was like, a tr- I was a trend spotter. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But it... it it, it's funny because the, the crisis was looming and you're like, oh, there's a crisis coming. And I was like, crisis, crisis, whatever. But then it really affected you. So mm. you were right. Yeah. But did you ever read that um, Malcolm Gladwell book, The Tipping Point? It's like, no. You know, so at first, like nothing changes. Then, you know, there's a lot of wait and see. But then everyone makes it like there's just a series of little things add up and eventually things flip right like yeah but for example but, but but how does that let's say you want to be a filmmaker and you can think like yeah. oh cinema is dead and uh, the streaming platforms and series and digital filming and you can think about that a lot or you can think like this is exactly what i want to make and yeah, i don't care what happening. the world the world does yeah but regardless of of that like you can't sometimes external factors have an effect right like and as artists we're like responding quite often I, to I know they, they have an effect and they don't like, hmm. it, I think um, if you just keep on keeping on 
every now and then you sync with the times, but you just have to keep going and be yourself. Yeah, like, but it's like when, you know, so when NFTs came around, I think, you know, we had, you and I discussed like, hey, should we just like wait and see what happens or should we jump in? And we like, we said, let's jump in, let's try this out, right? We both experienced different uh, outcomes, but like, Similarly, like AI, let's say... No, like, no, no, no. Let, let's go back to NFTs because this is a no, good point. I shouldn't have started with that. <laughs> no. Here's what happened. Uh, everyone was making net art because everyone who's an artist doesn't have a gallery, so they're like, I have to yeah. start my own thing. So everybody's doing net art. And then the gallery just started showing interest around 2010. Mm-hmm. And then I remember everybody saying, I don't want to be in internet shows anymore. I'm a contemporary artist. I'm not an internet artist. Internet is dirty. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm a post-internet artist, and now I, and I just thought I'm just going to keep on keeping on. So I kept making net art all the way through, because I felt I I liked it, even though it was not trending. Uh, it, like none of the ex- everybody was basically saying there was early net art, and then there was post-internet. Mm-hmm. You know, and I also, do you get what I'm saying? Like if you constantly worry about like what what is the trend, where are things headed, it's a uh, I don't know. It's not- yeah, but that's not what really, really what I was where I was going, which is like, you know, there, there are there are times and places, both as an artist and just as a human being, where you're, you know, making a move. Um, like yeah, but my point very- is that you, you yeah. you're not really making a move. Like, whether you make videos for YouTube or NFT, you're mm. making videos. Yeah, and whether anyone's paying attention is really like not even relevant. Sometimes. Well, it's secondary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. But like, for example, you know, you might be waiting to buy, like I was talking to you before the podcast is like, should I buy a monitor? And then which size? It, actually, you're the usually like, that's the question I get the most, by the way. Like if we had listener questions that were just messages to my text messages, you know, like just my iMessage, it would be like, should I buy a MacBook Pro or a MacBook Air? <laughs> should I buy this or that? Should I wait for the well, new Well, there's Apple tons of good should... YouTube channels for that, yeah. Yeah, the, the should I wait thing is for technology. Mm. People have a real, and we've often talked about on the podcast, just like buy what you can, you know, use today and make things with today. Like if you need it, you need it. Um, but for some reason... You know, I think especially when you're on like a fixed budget, which I am right now, like you were like, why don't you just buy the most expensive one? I was like, uh, no, I didn't say the I'm most unemployed. expensive. There, <laughs> you, you, yeah. But 1500 bucks in tax deductible, I think. Yeah, but you're self-employed. And so you're like, hmm, I could go out for dinner or I could have a monitor. No, I mean, the, the choice might seem I, easy. I think it's really strange how people, uh, how you treat computer purchases because you use it every day for eight hours and then you're like... Yeah take someone out for a $300 dinner, which is like a two-hour event. Yeah. But you're like, I need the best of the best when I eat. But somehow the computer you use 1,500 hours a month or whatever, you're like, no, I'm fine with the shitty one. I mean, I do have like multiple computers and uh, it's, you know, but I think like... Well, any any discussion would be, what's my budget for the year for hardware? Mm Mm-hmm. The tax deductible like thing a hel- is true, but what's it's a like healthy? What, what do you think is a healthy budget for you for c- computers and software per year? Per year? Well, I can tell you based on like because I do my budget every year. It's like I spend between like I usually spend about ten thousand dollars probably all in, but I'm often buying other people equipment as well. 
Um, well, so we I'd go back like, to this psychological argument. You not <laughs> yeah, like I have no problem buying value stuff yourself. for other people. Yeah, exactly. But probably like spend four thousand dollars on my own setup every year. Um, but so, y- y- your laptop maybe lasts four years or how long? Yeah, I w- I was on a three year cycle, but I think more recently because laptops like were not getting much better. Yeah. Um, but know, but like your four, laptop, what was it? Three thousand bucks. It was like five grand, I think. All oh, okay. Like, with taxes and everything, it's okay. pretty expensive. So let's yeah. say it lasts four years, and then it's twelve fifty a year. And then if you buy a monitor for fifteen hundred, and it lasts five years, yeah, then that's three hundred bucks a year. I, I don't know. It, it it seems to me like your primary visual window. You haven't had a desk for forty years. So yeah. I think it's time to take yourself seriously in your practice. And so whether your monitor costs 300 bucks a year or 150, yeah. it's not going to make a difference in your life. I've also been thinking, like, why get a monitor when you could get, like, a TV the size of, like, yeah, I an disagree. entire room? I disagree. <laughs> is, there, is, is there such a thing as too big for a monitor? Yeah, I think so. I think the colors on the computer monitors are more accurate than on TVs. Hmm. But like, a, have you used an OLED TV or like a micro LED? Like the TVs are getting really good. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm happy with the monitor. So color accuracy matters to you. Like that's interesting because um, your work is viewed on lots of different yeah, screens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. how would you know? Yeah. But I, I know that if I view work on a TV, often the, the gradients are not so smooth or... I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's the color gamut. Yeah, like how much of the pro- the spectrum it can show. Yeah, yeah, and the the resolution of a, a Apple monitor is much higher than a TV. You know what's really interesting though, like with NFTs. And I'm going to go back to this, and this might be a disorganized it's episode my because topic. we didn't really talk, we didn't think much about it. But um, is the number of like pixelated or low res or like basically stuff that you could have produced in 1982, like on a computer? then that is like a hot commodity and and i know it's a lot of like you're writing you know algorithmic art on the chain or whatever but and so that's what's like that's what the blockchain's capable of but i'm also like oh that's what we should talk about too today uh i don't even know why i didn't bring this up but the merge oh yeah um, the merge which is like we've been waiting like if we talk about waiting you could yeah, have yeah, been yeah, like yeah. waiting for an ecological solution. It's about to come in terms of ETH anyway. I'm, ETH is going to be 99.9%. So, I'm so curious what will be the next hot topic why we hate the blockchain. Because first it was the environment. and It, it seems there's well, a whole it, industry of like professionalization. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. a whole industry of professional complainers. And uh, <laughs> once the problem is solved, they definitely need another topic. Well, my favorite thing about artists in general is just the like, you know, that they find problems with problems, right? They problematize the problem. Um, and then once there's a solution, that's the new problem, you know, like, well, the, so. yeah, it's really the, the, the solution is a danger to their attention income. Oh, if you've built a brand on problem, being, being it, angry about yeah. Ethereum using energy, then all of a sudden that solves like, Oh, what's, what's my topic now? That's true. It's a it's a quote unquote platform to use political language, right? Like yeah. my platform is NFTs are bad, right? So that, yeah, exactly. Um, Which I, I'm but sh- I, I, think I, it, I understand. <laughs> if you hate NFTs, please uh, keep on hating. Yeah. But relative to this conversation of like you know waiting or wait you know waiting to get involved, like if 
sometimes you're waiting because you have moral or ethical objections. To yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's also not every new development fits you and not every new development is new. I never went into VR. You know? Oh, that's true. You, yeah. But were you waiting? Like, was you, were no. you waiting for the price no. of the headsets to come down? Or no, to no, see no. If it was like... I just tried it and I didn't like it. I, 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 I think... Um, I wait. So the topic of this episode is patience. That was, this is our fifteen-minute yeah, well, uh, intro. Yeah, uh, introduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I waited a long. They, sometimes you just jump into something because it's fun. So I remember seeing the internet and just loving it immediately. I don't know how that was for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I didn't need. I convincing. mean, I immediately saw. Well, no, video is like really unevenly distributed. No, no, like, but like your first internet experience is like, when was that? When you, you were 16, 15? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like access to MIDI music and stuff. I was yeah. like, in, yeah. But, but did you need yeah. convincing? Were you like, uh, I'm going to wait until it gets better? Or you're like, oh, this is fun? No, I immediately uh, jumped in. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. And and so the, yeah. this question of VR, it's, it's not that I think it's going to get way better. It's... I've never really been into first-person shooters or walking through 3D spaces. It's just mm-hmm. something I never enjoyed. I guess it's on my mind as well because, like, you know, I've been thinking a lot about augmented reality, and, like, I've not worked professionally in augmented reality. There's some potential for me to do that, or there have been occasions over the years with, like, uh, Snap, and then more recently, like, I noticed, you know, like, I was talking to a recruiter at Meta, and everyone on the podcast don't worry, I'm not, like, also, like, working for Philip Morris or whatever, but, like... um, Yeah, they need an AR strategy. But I was excited, like, 20 years ago. And, like, I'm talking to, like, young recruiters on the phone and stuff, and I'm, like... They're, like, (laughs) do you think this, like, AR thing is going to be a thing? And I was, like, what? You think it's going to be a thing? Like, 20 years ago, I thought it was going to be a thing. Like, it is a thing, and it's, like, um, it's unavoidable. Like, um, it's a collision course that, like, you can't... You know, sometimes there are things and you're waiting like for it to just disappear. This is not going to disappear. It'll just keep building momentum. And it's not a hype cycle thing, right? Like it's a, I've seen very incremental progress over a very, very long time. And this goes back to my like teenage, teenage boyhood self well, kind of it, thing. It's, it's a little bit also um, people are waiting for an idealized future, but then you could argue, oh, Pokemon Go exists. And that's a really fun AR experience that many people enjoyed, and it brought them outdoors instead of being inside all the time. That's a a proof of the technology. What more do you need? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that, that definitely was a proof of concept for sure. Like, I think that we're, that our imagination is so narrow that that one example gets overused. Um, Yeah, but my my point is that if you're talking about being patient, Maybe yeah. sometimes being patient is also realizing that it already happened and not always anticip- anticipating. Well, yeah, yeah. Like the expression is like the future is here. It's just unevenly distributed, right? Like so that was true for the internet and internet art early on. That's true for like um, even in this like post NFT world, like, you know, access even to understanding how the blockchain works. That was true. Like that's been true over the last few years. And then that'll be true for... That's true for VR, you know, whether or not your experience was good or not. Like, um, but AR ultimately is like the end game. Like, um, and when I say end game, it's just like you talked about like me, I should have the biggest screen on, on my desk or whatever, right? Like, but like ultimately. Yeah, I mean, just working on a laptop for 20 years, I think it's time to 
go to the desktop. Yeah, and so we can't imagine anything outside of that frame, right? Yeah. But like, if I oh god, I'm using like a lot now. You made you've really tuned me into this like problem. Yeah, be careful. Um, <laughs> be careful. Uh, obviously, like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I've been doing. I'll, I'll listen to the recording later. Yeah, I'm not even going to be able to well, talk anymore. Well, I always think that the word like is introduced as a way of not sounding too direct and forceful. It, it adds a little breather to the sentence. So instead mm. of saying, hey, that's awesome, you're, you're a little more gentle. So it's like it, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's a politeness also. It's, it's a nervousness, but also poli- I think with you, I would say it comes more <laughs> from being polite. Not saying like the coffee is the greatest thing on earth, but saying, well, like maybe, you know, like maybe literally like. Yeah, yeah, creating some space. Yeah. Thank you. I feel better about it. Yeah. Uh, but on the topic of like, t- you know, we're talking about technologies, but this can also be like aesthetic movements too, where you're waiting for, you might, like, maybe you're not waiting, but like you're seeing, uh, you know, you're interested in something and you're not sure if it's going to be a thing or not. Yeah, like, but, but that's right now. It's, we're just using NFT as a framework to talk about trends, but right now yeah. the market is bad. It's it's the 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 merge is happening. Everybody says don't release stuff now. Oh really? Yeah, I I dropped something. It didn't sell out, but that's okay. Uh, I don't see the point in waiting. If your project is ready, just go. And if it doesn't do well, maybe the next one does better. And this constant waiting, I I don't get it. So people aren't willing to spend Ethereum because they think. I think the so. Market, they're, they're worried the that could. there will be glitches in the network and that whatever they buy will be lost and uh, oh. whatever. So they're going to wait a month. And I think summer was slow. I'm, I'm just talking about trends in general. Like, is this the right time to do a show about watercolors? Is this the right time to release a song about birds? Yeah, yeah. And who cares? You just make as much as you can at all times and release at all times, and don't worry. No, that's what, true. What other I mode think. is there? I don't know. Well, there could be a mode of like, yeah, I mean, there's a mode of like being too early with an idea. I think this is no, often. No, I don't the case think in, so. No, but in business, it's actually like a thing. Right? No, like, I don't think so. Even with, in retrospect, some things were too early. Someone invented a, a portable computer that was too early, but. Someone had to do it. It's not the iPhone. You were 15 mm-hmm. years early. But it's exciting to be there. And, and they had a good time making it. Like the, the Newton or whatever other devices they were making. I think that's great. What's wrong with being too early? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, like, I'm an early adopter, right? But there's actually, like, if you look at how audiences adopt new technologies, but you can apply this, I think, culturally as well. There's this guy, Jeffrey Moore, who wrote a book called Crossing the Chasm. And then he also wrote a book that less people have read called Inside the Tornado. I think both are really good, actually. And he he talks about the sort of cycle of adoption, starting with, like, um, actually before early adopter, there's, like, an even earlier group of people. I can't remember like what he beta calls testers. them. Beta testers. Yeah, but they're, like, <laughs> the beta testers. And they will basically do anything and sacrifice anything to be a part of something new. So they'll like tolerate bugs, like your MVP, your minimum viable product, like the beta or the wait list version of well, that Well, there's, there's product. a difference between waiting for something to get good or... Oh, okay. Now we've got the exception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but what I mean is you have energy. That's the most important thing. You have creative energy. You have ideas. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then you, here's an example. You want to shoot digitally. You want to shoot a movie digitally. What was the mm -hmm. right year to jump to digital? And you could have waited. But you, I remember that conversation distinctly yeah, yeah, in grad yeah. school. Yeah. Like, so that's an example. But, photographers but, and they were like, but what I mean here is that waiting to jump digital doesn't mean you're not going to do stuff. That's what I mean. So mm. as you're waiting for digital to get better, you can still shoot on film or make sculptures or whatever, but just keep doing stuff. And, and I think there's a paralysis where if you're waiting for the perfect moment, that's what I mean. Like mm -hmm. if you keep waiting for the thing to be perfect, someone else will run in front of you. Mm -hmm. Like you might be waiting for a new version of something, but that's less yeah. buggy though. Or should I invest my time? Like, cause we've been talking about money investment, but I think what this comes down to you mentioned you have energy, right? Like, yeah. But you have a limited supply of energy. No, like, that's uh, not true. It, that, that's If you look at sports, the more you train, the more energy you have. Hmm, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Like, I was yeah. thinking, like, I wake up in the day, I have, you know, eight hours potential of productive energy. Where I apply that energy, like, I was going to redesign my website recently, and I was like, I've been on Shopify. Like, my website's built on Shopify because I wanted to have, like, commerce built into it. But now there's this thing called Webflow. Have you seen Webflow? No. It's like a no-code kind of like, or low-code solution to building your own web portfolio website, or any website, really. Like, you could build basically anything with it. Is it also hosting? It, it will host as well, sure. Yeah. So it's kind of like it Squarespace? It's, it's like if Squarespace was built with like, hey, we don't care if you really know, uh, like, we don't want to make this user-friendly from a from like a like so that it it limits you it's like what if there were no, like you could break all the rules or we could like make the most flexible tool um for building a website but like you didn't need to be a full stack developer basically there's a movement generally in tech towards like low what's called low or no code but like that you could cobble together like a database that's visual with like a Webflow front end that's like also visual and it's like you're dragging blocks around. It this is like familiar to artists who do creative programming. Like we started with open frameworks and you got, I have to learn what C and eventually now like Touch Designer you know as an authoring environment or I use Snaps Lens Studio and it's mostly like drag and drop with a little bit of coding. And then as you get more and more advanced, you of course you can get yeah. the full coding right. But but. This is an example. If you were a VJ in the 90s, that was the right time to be a VJ. And you could have been there earlier and you could have yeah. been there later. And so some magical creature in the universe was like doing video art in the 70s, doing music videos in the 80s, doing VJing in the 90s and doing everything exactly at the right moment. And some people stumble along and uh, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, even a broken clock's right twice a day. Yeah. But I, I don't believe in, uh, you, your brain never stops, you're, you're always thinking. And I think for an artist, making is visual thinking. So you, you mm -hmm. have to think visually, you have to make things. You don't even have to share them, but I, it just seems more fun to release things. Yeah, I'm not trying to convince you that like yeah. waiting is a good idea. I've just been thinking about it because, I mean, honestly, a lot of people have been waiting for like different markets to recover or like, you know, cause yeah, we're going but you also create a market. So it, it, no, no, you of can course, wait yeah. for it or you can create it. Yeah. And I think that's the obvious statement that the way most people behave potentially out of fear or, you know, like protection of risk, which we talked about at the very beginning 
is, well, I'm going to wait and see what happens, right? And only once I see that it's safe. So in that Jeffrey Moore example, after the early adopter, there's kind of the early majority. And that's like, the it's the top of this like bell curve where the early adopters have kind of like stress tested it. It's safe, right? Like they, most of the bugs are, are, are fixed. Maybe there's a yeah. few issues. Yeah. And then even after the, that early majority, there's the late majority. And they are like, the, now the price has to be right. And like yeah, and, all the bugs so have to be each, sorted out. If, if you look at podcasting, uh, yeah. when did that start? Like, End of started, the 90s? Yeah, like a long time. <laughs> I don't know if it was the end of the 90s, and I think it's probably like... like when, when was the, the end of the aughts, or maybe... No, wait, mid- wait, iPod is like 90... Wait, Were there podcasts on the iPod? Yeah, that's, that's where the word came from. iPod, podcast. Oh, my goodness. Ooh, la, la. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, mean, look I at had podcasts, the first iPod in the, 2003. The, each era has different benefits. So the benefit yeah. of being early is there's very little competition, but not that many users yet. So... Yeah. And then you're legendary, like, oh, we were the first ones, whatever. Yeah, then, like the moon. The moon like every the, era just has... Yeah. So what was the right time to start a podcast? No one knows. Like, I just started listening. To Quentin Tarantino started a podcast. This is not early, but it's a great podcast. He reviews B-movies, and I enjoy Well, yeah, enjoy and the question it. is, like, yeah. you know, he's, he's still in that majority of people who adopt. By the way, at the very end of this curve... There's what are called the laggards. And these are people who refuse to adopt until they're forced to. Like you might be familiar with this. Like the ever, people like, who jumped onto Windows. Amazon because of the COVID, because no, of the like, lockdown. No, it'd be like, oh, I'm never going to move on from Windows 95. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's like such that a was good operating system. Yeah. <laughs> right? like, and like, I just want like... Word 5.0 is like awesome. I mean, it would be cool if you could run that software, but on the latest hardware. But honestly, I think a lot of artists behave like laggards. Yeah. Because we fetishize the, like, that's what I was talking about when I was talking about pixelated art and stuff. We fetishize and romance, like, nostalgia. Yeah. And, and like the aesthetic, I was watching a video just before we got on the air, but and it was a teenage engineering uh, TikTok. <laughs> like this guy was like hyped about this like teenage engineering radio, and he's like, "I've never this pro- I've, I haven't used a product in ages that's given me this jo- much joy." And it's a radio that just came out. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And like he's like, "Look how you can scan the dial and stuff, and like you can remix the audio on the radio stations, and it even has like an ambient noise generator that uses radio static." And like, there's no reason this product should exist. <laughs> like, and the only well, audience it's surprising. That, it's fresh because everything else is going in one direction. Yeah, 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 exactly. So like, but like the ability to mine nostalgia, I think, is a laggard mentality, and it appeals to our like laggards, like the safety mechanism of like nostalgia. What is it? It's like a warm feeling when people but there's, talk about there's it. There's also the the narrative of progress. It, the forward is always better. Well, they are, when it might be just more of a scatter plot. Yeah, and and so certain things. I think uh, movies shot on film and projected on film are more dreamy. I I find that hard to argue with. It's more dreamlike. There's something about it that the fuzziness that you enter a dream world, which to me. Um, Digital feels more realistic because it's more crisp and it's also the device we use every day. So mm-hmm. if something looks like the, the iPhone, it just feels more real, less dreamy. And so if you want to create a dreamlike film or a sort of escapist experience, 
Yeah. I find that better with film than with digital. And so, so you don't turn the uh, motion smoothing effect on your TV on? Exactly. Yeah. There's 120 hertz uh, frame. Yeah, I've often wondered, like, why is it okay for a video game to operate at 120 <laughs> or 240 hertz? And we've and, been conditioned we, with movies, yeah. And we desire reality the most we think that's the most real feeling but then cinema which is proposed originally as an escape from reality we're like no 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 24 frames that's it we're done <laughs> we've mastered it right like yeah. and we can't stand the concept well there's a there's a of 60 frames per second in film remember the Peter element Jackson of, did yeah yeah stuff? there's the element of habit and so you've been conditioned to think cinema is supposed to look a certain way and then when it changes it's uncomfortable i get it but We'll see. Like maybe in two hundred years, we'll accept all kinds of frame rates. Uh, maybe frame rates don't even exist anymore. I don't know. Well, I think we already have. Probably this is what I was talking about when like the future is unevenly distributed. Like if you think about um, experiences and that people are you know buying experiences, not things, which was a pre-pandemic thing that's coming back again. They're really they're you, like you want to be plugged in, like into the full experience and you want like more than 24 frames per second. You want to be like immersed in a different reality, right? Like I was watching a documentary about theme parks and like there is this Harry Potter theme park that basically revolutionized um, theme park design. Like, you know how you have like Paramount Studios, by the way, like if you know more about this, but I highly doubt it, uh, step in. I'm sure listeners do. Like I've literally never been to one of these places, but the Harry Potter theme park in Paramount Studios and I think it's in Florida they like revolutionized things because but it was because uh, Rowling like the author of Harry Potter insisted are you still there are you like doing something in the background no no I'm here (laughs) Christina just arrived so she's Uh, okay hi Christina um, I thought maybe you're like Harry Potter and you just like switched off. You're like, <laughs> I did switch off mentally, but uh, yeah. Christina went to Potter World. Yeah. Anyways, oh, she did. Yeah, yeah, she loves. Wait, it. wait, can we get? Can you drag her over here and tell Christina? Can you, can you tell us about Harry Potter World? A little guest appearance. About Harry Potter World. Yeah, speaking to the microphone. What he's talking about uh, the progress of. Uh, Roller coaster design and theme park design, and oh like, yeah, did did Harry Potter World feel next level? Well, I went maybe five years ago. Yeah. So there's a new part of the theme park that's open now, but the oh, ride that's what Jeremy was, was talking about. It was incredible. No, no, no. Also, I'm the original the Disney or the Pandora one and the Star Wars one are incredible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what you just yeah what what Christina Magic. just alluded to was that Harry Potter one set a precedent for like immersion and experience. And so then the Star Wars one was the next one to be built. And Disney was competing at this point. And they built like this next level Star Wars like theme park. And by the way, what they figured out was like people want to get lost in a world. And so they built like the whole world, like even the drinks and like merchants and actors and everything are like completely immersive. And then the ride is like, it's very expensive to do this, by the way. The only reason the Harry Potter one was built was, like I said, J.K. Rowling insisted in the contract on a certain standard that she had to approve every decision. And so, but she proved that like over-investing had a much higher compound rate of return, right? So so now it's like standard to create, basically... She raised the bar. Like you have to be in the movie. Like that is the current standard uh, that all theme parks are developing to. And it's like... No one wants to go to movie theaters anymore, except for you, because 
they expect a higher standard, right? Like, like yeah. popcorn's not enough anymore, right? Yeah. Um, so, sorry, I didn't need that was not to do No, 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 that's totally you. fair. And, and it's yeah. a good example of uh, artists being kind of nostalgic and maybe our subculture of our generation, it's sort of... Well, I think that we, like you and I both balance nostalgia in our work to a certain extent. I know when I started out, like people were always like, why do you use such low polygon objects and color? And by the way, like... Well, my, you're, you're just being frugal. You're like... I can't do uh, the high res stuff. I'm going to have to buy so many graphics cards. That's actually true. Like, but it was it wasn't that. It was just that that was actually the maximum that I was capable of, both in terms of technical expertise and the software and hardware that I was using. Yeah. And and whereas I feel like you actually developed like a specific aesthetic and it's yeah, kind of grounded. But in it was history. also partly that and partly going to the video department in my school and learning a bit of editing and seeing a path of life of constant uh, hardware upgrades and storage. And I was like, I'm going to be locked down in a room with hundreds of hard drives and I can't move around the world. And no, Mm -hmm. I don't want that. Yeah. Interesting. So it was actually conditioned, like you were conditioned based on your environment. Yeah. And I just saw that as a lock, like as a, the opposite of freedom. Well, maybe that's what brings me to this patience thing, which is like the reason it's not it's patience and not like, you know, waiting is like sometimes like you even if you're jumping in and you're doing something, you're not necessarily seeing a return. And so it's like I've been thinking about this a lot because I'm, you know, thinking about what's my next step. Right. And like, you know, you look back on all of your activities over a lifetime, you know, in theory, and you're like, okay, was I like. Was I patient enough? Did I act? Too, did I make the right decision at the right time? Was there an example where you were? Because I can tell you, most of my life's stress comes from being impatient, and so mm. a lot of it is. For example, if you have anxiety over, you're applying for a visa because you want to move to another country, and it takes longer than expected. Like that's what I mean with that sort of anxiety or. You're waiting for an approval of a grant, or you're waiting for an approval of this yeah. or that. And most things, if if you learn to be patient, that's where it's good to be patient. But I don't think it's good to be patient of like, I'm going to write a novel, but I'm going to wait another five years until... Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's a really good point. And that's kind of probably the difference that we should clarify and talk through. Like, th- yeah, we're talking about things that you control and things that are outside of your control. But being patient with things that are in your control, for, you know, which is like the marshmallow test, like, you know, the marshmallow test, right? No. Where like... Okay, so they like sit children down and they sit, they put a marshmallow in front of them and then they leave the room and they say, if you don't eat this, I'll come back with like a second marshmallow. I think it's something like that. And the like percentage, percentage of kids that like just go ahead and like eat the marshmallow. How old are these kids? Um, They're like three or four or whatever. Like, but you know, like there's only a percentage of children that are willing to wait for the compound marshmallow, like the second marshmallow to come. Most just eat the first and they're like, oh, well, I lived in the moment. I lived for today. I lived in the present, right? The the irony is that they're better off eating less marshmallows. So it was smart of them to eat eat it right away. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're probably right. The the child that has accumulated a marshmallow stash who then like eats them all at once gets six. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of a metaphor for people who retire and then wait to have a fun life, but they work too hard and they're so tired and unhealthy that they can't have fun yeah, anymore. So, so these children that wait for the marshmallow typically are able to like defer or their patience allows them to defer like kind of personal 
satisfaction and they you know they tend to be better investors blah 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 like yeah. better citizens well you've I think been conditioned to think that that's a better life well the stereotype it goes of the back is, to the story of the three yeah. little pigs and all this stuff like think about how much we've been conditioned because that's what i'm in, saying investing is is corporate welfare we're just giving all, all the big companies our savings and being like i might pick it up in 30 years mm-hmm yeah. yeah, like see what you can do with this. Yeah. But I think like the stereotype of the artist is that the artist is impulsive. I don't think you hear the stereotype of the artist is patient. But I I do believe that most artists like exercise patience because they practice every day. Like they know they're not amazing right away, right? Like the, the best artists like will work 90 years to refine their craft. That takes a lot of patience. Like I know I can't like, I can't reach well, this level Most people do today. a shitty job for 90 years. And they work again, so they have to learn to be patient dealing with bureaucracy and meetings and politics at work, things they don't want to do. Yeah. So I don't see if you're in a studio every day making what you want as being patient. You don't see that? No. I mean, I'm just saying that I think it does take, there, there's this like, um, this this thing Roman Mars says, I think I've shared it on the podcast before. Which well, is like, it depends on how you see the reward. If you see the reward of the work itself as the reward... Yeah. Then there's no patience because it's very immediate. Like, oh, I'm sketching, mm-hmm. something's happening. If you see it as like, when am I going to win a Grammy? Then, yeah, you have to. Be I don't patient. know. Like, I'll, like, because I spend quite a bit of time, and I think you do too, like, or have, uh, like, teaching other people how to use software or do specific things. Like, I've run workshops as an artist for years. The amount of patience necessary to go from the first workshop to, like, you have a show where you use those tools to present original artworks to the public, it can quite often be too like too much time and require too much patience even myself like sometimes i'm just like trying to materialize something and i know you can hire help and and that's something but a lot of people don't have that option so they have to learn the craft themselves and it does take actually a lot of patience to learn a new craft like yeah people I, say it I, takes i've like always five had years. The, the opposite attitude i always looked at the whatever the technology was and i was like what can I do with that thing that requires the re- least amount of knowledge? So hmm. and if you look at silk screening, it's really easy to make flat colors, but it's very hard to do photorealistic stuff. So some people will use silk screen and push it to the maximum, do 36 colors all registered perfectly and yeah. on a material that's impossible. And I'm like, I'll use the most default way because that's what the tool is good at. So it doesn't require a lot of skill. But it, but like, would that be true for your second, third, fourth? Like, let's take a like project. You started doing this textile, you yeah. know, kind of. It started. Well, as I a usually lean on people who are very knowledgeable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, you also had to learn a little bit about textiles, as I not remember, really. I no, mm-hmm. it's just experimenting. But I I did use the textile in a way that it really is what it is. It's, it's not trying to make it mm-hmm. be something else. Right. Like, you're not trying to, like, show off what's possible with textiles. I don't think so, no. I think probably in, like, the demo scene, like, this is a bigger problem where you're, like, you, you, you know, you want to show off, like, that you have superior yeah. mastery. But it is funny when you have that tension of a very early technology and you're trying to do the 16th chapel in a computer that can hardly do anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it, like, I mean, that's ultimately, like, it's... It, your intention mixed with like the constraints of your environment and your own ability. And then of course you can hire stuff out. I was reading an article this morning, like 
the internet is quote unquote like up in arms like this is apple news for you or whatever about this guy that submitted a dolly image to a state fair and won a blue ribbon oh yeah like yeah. you know or it was a it wasn't dolly it was the other one the, yeah yeah, like, yeah i know uh, what you mean yeah but like the, he like, didn't even make the art himself. Mid journey, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, people are like, it's the end of artistry. Like, you know, he didn't have to learn the craft. And it, it just was like, it, it was such a weird controversy because, like, photography was sort of presented as a similar evil, right? Like, now no one will have to learn to paint. And, like, learning to paint requires patience and virtue. <laughs> like well, that's, now anyone it, just in a second yeah, can have what they it want. Just, it just depends on what parameters you're judging something. If, if you really care about effort, then that's how you judge something. But I do think this came up in the NFT thing again. And this is why like, I still, I think kind of the patience thing maybe even comes back to that, which is like, so-and-so has been working diligently for 20 years um, and is only making like a hundred dollars on their NFT, but this other person just dropped in out of nowhere and is making like millions, you know? Yeah, or, or that's the not people, fair. People love people because he had worked so hard. Yeah, I mean that's one of the ones where they use him as an example of someone who worked quietly in the shadows, right? Yeah, and now he's finally getting his like. Yeah, but the, know, so the individual reward. works are okay, but the fact that he made so many—that's the impressive part. Yeah, I mean, the saying patience is a virtue applies in that context. But I, yeah, I don't but know that's, that, that's just, yeah. a, you can judge everything by different criteria. Like, you could say, I want art that's the most imaginative. And yeah. so what's the most imaginative artwork? Which, artwork? which artist has the greatest imagination, is building worlds? And you probably end up with the, the concept artists who work at Marvel who are imagining multidimensional space worlds and things like that people who mm-hmm. work at Star Wars. That's one genre of art. That's one judgment. The other judgment might be like, which artist is engaging with as many underrepresented communities as possible? That's another lens. Mm-hmm. Another lens could be, which artist was earliest with something? And another lens could be, which artist is the most badass and is, plays that role and gets, right. a, gets away with stuff? These are so, not tautologies. Like they, you know, each yeah. one is yeah, and so in parallel. and then you could have a discussion. I think it's art because it's really clever. I think it's art because it's really well done. I think it's mm-hmm. art because it it's really stupid. Like some people love an artist for being provocative by presenting it, uh, you know, a, a toilet bowl in, as an artwork. Mm, that's yeah. not for effort. That's for being uh, like Catalan's gold toilet. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, or Marcel Duchamp's toilet. And oh then, yeah, not a great one. Uh, the toilet, toilet yeah. art. <laughs> toilet art. So that that's a whole history of like, what can I get away with? And not like how well of a draftsman or draftsperson am I? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, yeah, the or pa- like even the quality of a drawing being yeah. like crude or more recently ugly painting being like more desirable than, you know, attractive painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's you know, all, funny, these, like my, all my these different snapshot. roles because it, 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 yeah. one role for collectors is to collect the ugliest possible work and say, well, all of you were looking at the pretty stuff, but I discovered this new kind of ugly, and in 10 years this will be considered beautiful. Mm. Yeah. There's a connoisseur for everything kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, to round out the... To round out, I always interrupt you, which proves my impatience. No, I was going to say something stupid. My top Snapchat filter is one called Ugly Makeup that I made in like the first like 24 hours of learning to use <laughs> <laughs> how to make yeah. AR filters for Snapchat. Do you, do you distribute um, those filters? 
Yeah, yeah, they're like they're available. There's a, a Snapchat filter shop. Um, like there's a huge like yeah. The, the thing is, you can't. Yeah, it's a marketplace, but everything's free. Oh, like you, yeah. I would love if you could monetize them. I think that's kind of the future, um, but that's currently not possible. Yeah. But a lot of like filter makers get commissioned by advertisers because obviously, like if you're an advertiser, it's like what we can get a person to wear our advertisement and then show their friends. <laughs> this is heaven. Yeah, like, it's like who invented this magic machine? Um, yeah. Anyway, I think on the patience thing, I think I'm I, in this. I have mode this where suspicion I've, that there's a a tendency to. Tell everybody to be patient and calm and yeah, yeah. condo and mindful. And it's a way of making people just follow rules. Okay, so th- I think this is like I've behaved more impulsively probably in the last, you know, six months than in my entire life. And I think that's why I'm thinking about it. Um, because I was so patient and so risk averse for so, <laughs> so long. And you know, I don't necessarily know, like, I'm, I'm just looking back and I'm like, was, you know, you see it, like it, for example, in employment, it's a well-known fact actually that like bouncing around will get you a higher salary, but a lot of people, you know, yeah, but you've already place, been conditioned that a high salary is a goal. No, exactly. Like, yeah. but if, if your goal was just like to be comfortable to like make something and care about it and have friends and be like, you know, like love life, then staying in one place and doing one thing, like, you know, you maybe you're making sake for a hundred years, like you're, or sushi, like Hero Dreams of Sushi. I don't know if it's a hundred yeah. years, but like over a long time, that is also admired. And so I guess, again, your point about these not being tautologies, that they're choices that we make. We, we can choose to be patient or we can choose to be impulsive and we can actually and maybe be, do being both. patient is also uh, reflecting and sort of analyzing what do I want and what have I been taught that I should want? Well, to your point about like the brainwashing thing, though, like impulsiveness is viewed as bad. Like, yeah, yeah. There's a moral judgment against acting irrationally and impulsively. Except the Kinemans, like who wrote this like book, Thinking Fast and Slow, demonstrated that like almost all decision making is emotional and fast. And then we later rationalize it logically, like over, and it takes us years. Like I bought this house, and like I've been watching videos about the market and everything and like saying like, well, it was really logical. And like the market, like I looked at the data, da, da, da. but that's not really true. At the end of the day, I looked at a photo and I liked it and I was like, let's do it. Mm. Right. And so, yeah, I've already made up in my head that I'm never buying any piece of real estate. Yeah. Then one day you're going to be like driving along and there's going to be a for sale sign and Christina and you are, your eyes are going to light up and you're going to be like that place. If we could, you know what we could, we, and we can afford it. And you're going to, you're just gonna because you only have one life. Right? Well, You're, send send me the link if there's a awesome <laughs> place that I, that is affordable. Please send me the link. I'm pretty sure it's in Japan. Like for you. Oh yeah, right? yeah, for sure. I've heard you can buy like a dream house in Okinawa for a hundred k. I know that's a lot of money, but when you're used to money, it, it, yeah. When you, know, when you like when thinking, you're used to prices yeah. of real estate in major cities, and you know that Okinawa is basically paradise. Oh, because when I talk to you about like houses in New York, you almost always bring up emotional reasons why it's a bad idea, not monetary. No, no, no. I could spend a million dollars and I'll have rats crawling on my face. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound very desirable. (laughs) No, I'll send you some links. You're like, oh, that seems reasonable. And then you look at the monthly fees. 
the property yeah. tax and the co-op condo fees, and it's more than my rent. It yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah, make yeah. a lot of sense. But you will act emotionally eventually. Like there'll there'll be some emotion. You well, know? I'm already acting emotionally. I'm I'm not buying anything because <laughs> fuck you. Well, there's fear as an emotion, and then there's like yeah. you know there are other impulses. Well, there's emotions. also intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if I, I'm a bit paranoid or skeptic, and I'm like, this whole mortgage industry is telling us that this is a good decision, and you pay it three times over without realizing, because it's slowly just deducting it from your bank account every month. Yeah, but Raf, you're the one who's just said like money is not what dictates all decisions. So if you remove yeah. money from the equation, because the same well, yeah, thing's true for my monitor decision. But that's exactly right? my decision. Like, I love the place we live in. I think it's beautiful. I think the location is great. And I have no worries. And if I move to an apartment that is not as cool and more expensive, how is that a great decision? Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, the people who buy art, is not a, it's not a logical decision for them. Like, for some people, it is. It really is. Okay, I have a portfolio. It's going to be 20% art, 20% real estate, 20% bonds, or whatever. And then I've heard that at the major galleries, they really, you have a portfolio manager. It's like, you need a bit of postmodernism, mm-hmm. you need some photography, and then 70% painting will allocate to this. Uh, at that year of birth, that year, it's pretty methodical. And do you think that's true for like most of the people buying NFTs as well? Like, is that, does it make logical sense? I'm not sure, but there, there's the whole thing that if there's a few examples of people winning, then everybody else is like, I want to win too. Hmm. I like to think that a lot of people, because what I've seen is like there's a lot of community activity. It's almost like patronage. And it's like, I want to invest in this emotion and this passion existing in the world, right? I think the only sane way to use money is for enjoyment. That's the only real tangible. So if if you enjoy buying NFTs or real estate, then you're enjoying it. um, Yeah, okay. Well, you're proving my point. Then, like, you know, patience. But that's not irrational because. What is more rational than your mind feeling good? Well, hesitating to buy would be an example of like, well, I'm just going to be patient and see what, you know, what nets out in this. And let's just say in any market, like in a in the NFT market, and I'll see where it goes. And if you'd been patient, you would have realized people was like, that was too much to pay or something like that. Or um, you, you would have been early and bought some work by people early on and sold it a year later. Exactly. Right. And so like, if, but if you just, if you go, ultimately, if you decide rationally, you're probably going to miss, they always say you can't time a market, right? And so the best time to act is like in the present, you know? And so ultimately, like, I haven't been trying to convince myself here, but in a way I have, which is like, you have to trust your intuition a little bit and your emotion. So what deci- decisions are on the horizon for you? There's this new monitor decision. <laughs> Just kidding, but like, I've made a lot of decisions. I'm, I'm also trying to decide, like, emotionally, you know, where to put my energy. Like, should I get another job, or should I buy, continue to to act as a full time artist? Can, uh, how do you like the f- full time art thing? Well, it's good, but fear creeps in quite frequently, right? Because of the feast. And, I remember feast or famine from when I was. What full-time. is feast or famine? Like, okay, I have a lot of work now, but I might not have in three months. But right? you know, so, you know, rationally, that the more work you make the higher the chances of more that's work. Right. Like that, yeah. that is not an irrational thing. It's no, no, just, it's not. But, it, but It's a question ira- of focus. Like irrational thought enters the mind of like, well, what if this next one, you know, doesn't get as much. And that, and that yeah, but, is actually but, logical. But right? so it, maybe it's good to look at the worst case scenario. What if you didn't have any projects lined up for six months? 
Yeah, in that worst case scenario, what like, would happen? You starve to death, you lose everything. No, no, but for <laughs> you, in, realistically, if you don't have any projects for six months, what would happen? Um, well, I have a six-month buffer. Like that's my runway. Like I have a, a little little spreadsheet, and I track a. But runway. you have like, more of a buffer than that because you have different little parts. Different levers, yeah. I think. Yeah, but eventually you're like the lottery winner that's bankrupt, right? Like that's the that's the that's fear. your fear. It's, yeah, that's my fear. Yeah, yeah. and um, and so like. But you yeah, know that you, that's irrational. Well, that's why I started by talking about like you start with a onesie and then you like get a breastplate and then you get a, like armor and castle yeah, walls yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. But the the, the I mean this be- goes down to psychoanalysis because then there's the question: Do you believe you have enough ideas to be a full time artist? Hmm. Do I personally? Yeah, are you worthy of being a full-time artist? Because it mm-hmm. often seems like you you encourage other people to be artists and you buy them hardware, but you're not worthy. Yeah, no, that's an interesting thought. I mean, like that's my- something that I think a lot of artists face. They say they uh, want to be a full-time artist or be more creative, but actually, is it that fun? It's it's it's. Are we being programmed that creativity is so cool and we should all strive to be more creative? I think that emotion, like we talked about in regards to impulsiveness, like I said, is also exists on the flip side in terms of like fear and holding you back, right? Or, or stalling you out. Like, and so my philosophy actually, like if I look back on my whole life and career has, I've had a policy of just say yes, which has always been to just take the next best opportunity that's right in front of me and just like try it out, you know, like, and so I've been pretty impulsive, even though I'm super, it appears as though I'm pretty conservative. Like FreshBooks as an example, where I worked for 11 years, I was just responding to like a freelance gig that because I'd helped a friend on something, right? And then I was like, yeah, I'll try this out for a couple months and then a couple more months and then a couple more years. And I was like, how about five more years? And, you know, eventually it's like more than a decade. So, But that, it, it kind of sounds like you're a collaborative person. Like, I mean, I really love sociology. That's yeah. what my like background but that, is. But right? the 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 idea that you say yes to what other people ask mm-hmm. uh, is is a team mindset. It's not well, that you're I, the captain. It's like, oh, I want to join a team. Yeah, like I think for me to be a full time artist, if I'm really really honest with myself, would require me building a team around me, which you've done as well. But right? why like, why would it require a team? Because I would need that like collaborative energy, and I found that yeah. that's what's given Otherwise, me. Otherwise, you'd be bored. Well, since 2018, like I've been, or maybe it's 2017, a little bit further back, I started, most of my practice became collaborative and that's where a lot of new ideas came from and, you know, a lot of more energy because I was kind of petering out, if I'm honest with you, like I was, there's like a little sagging period in my career and we can all look at our resumes and we see that, that year where there's like less lines on our CV, on our artist CV. And that was for me around like 2016, and I was just petering out on like solo energy. And was I, it like, was it also the travel that was exhausting? No, it was just like not enough new ideas were coming in, um, and so I started. Because when was that know, period you were exhausted from too much travel? Um, I mean, it probably followed that. I mean, it was probably it, maybe it was around that time. To be honest with you, I think um, it sounds like the same time. Yeah, because it's yeah, hard to come up with balance. new ideas if you're traveling. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There was like a kind of a, I had my peak probably 2014, 2015 in terms of artist activity. And then this like deep dive kind of shallow period of like, I was just kind of like, I'm Would done. you ever judge someone else that way that you think like, oh, they peaked and then they're down and whatever? 
I don't know, but I was reflecting on it because like my gal, I, like I left my gallery a few years ago and they're like, Hey, what have you been up to? And I left, they're like, cause I want to like, they wanted to com- like consign some work. And I was like, I'd done more in the last two years. Like the pandemic actually was like a real revival for, for, sure. for, for yeah. me, for you maybe as well, I think. Yeah. And I was like, I've done more in the last two years than I did in like the five years before that. So mm-hmm. I think it's just like, you know, reflecting on why was that? Like I was working as harder, harder, you know, at, at my job during that time. So, um, and I was, but I think it's kindness for myself and patience. Like if we come back to the patience theme, which is like, you've probably heard that it's a cheesy expression, but be kind to yourself. Yeah. That's I what I the, was trying to say. Yeah. Because yeah, I feel like you wouldn't judge other people when they said, Oh, 2015 was my peak. And you're like, come on, you've done all kinds of interesting things. No, I know. But like, I think um, thinking back, though, like during the pandemic was when I was kindest to myself because um, there was a lot of less, a lot of less external expectations and expectation. And so like it was truly an opportunity to just kind of like focus on what I was enjoying doing with the time I was sitting yeah. alone. <laughs> you know, so it was like forced contemplation. Well, that sounds like that's uh, the message for everybody. Be patient with, your, with yourself. Be kind that's to yourself. Kind of, yeah. 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 With anyone. Yeah. Maybe that's the I bottom line. I don't here. know. It's these simplifications. It's too yeah. cheesy. Well, it, I think it, it's not. <laughs> then it, you could, you could translate that into, I'm going to have ice cream for breakfast, lunch and dinner every day. Because well, I want to be kind to yourself. That, oh, that's like the... Don't be yeah, so hard right. on yourself. You deserve a treat. Yeah. Like, no, I was just being mentally kind to yourself. Like, yeah. you know, But sometimes you also your... have to be like, come on, let's go. Don't stop wasting time. Let's, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what the number one thing people... The piece of advice I got when I was laid off from my previous job was... It was this kindness thing. And people were like, don't rush... Like, don't make any quick decisions. Like, really, like, take time to be kind to yourself. Like, that's, like, basically the advice. And I think they were right. Like, because I feel better every day that I haven't made a decision yet. Um, I kind of feel like you would be very happy as an Uber driver. You're, like, helping people to get from A to B. You can have (laughs) conversations. You can do, like, a 20-minute free a motivational session and the, like coaching yeah and like you would have all kinds of nice gum and all the chargers and water bottles and oh yeah those chargers yeah come on yeah, yeah. i love that and and you, <laughs> i don't know maybe that that would be perfect perhaps i'd want a fleet though uh, the team team uh oh. uber coach yeah 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 <laughs> anyway okay well i hope that our audience was patient with this very like meandering episode but i was really I'm it's like yeah stay tuned because like I'm trying to patiently navigate ambiguity like they talk about this as a leadership skill like your ability to navigate ambiguity and like formulate a vision well behind Um, the scenes Jeremy is getting all kinds of offers and has to be patient and say like not yet not yet well patience is leverage because the more time that passes like the more opportunity you have but the man is coming through Jeremy and uh, he will be back in the in the grid. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but in the meantime, thank you for being patient. Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking time. Raph, any last words? We don't have any field. I said I was going to do a field recording of Calgary. Oh, no. Well, next time. We have to be okay. patient. Yeah, we have to be patient with that field recording. I will do one. Um, all right. Okay. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.